Let's join in prayer together. Dear Lord, I don't know how everybody uh, knows you that's here, but you are, as we just sang, servant and king. You came as a servant, you're Lord over all, and you rescue us. I pray we would see our, our need for being rescued if, if we haven't been. I pray that we'd have hearts of, of thankfulness if we have been rescued and that we would live and walk in grace to others. Others we love, others who wrong us because you want to rescue them too. God, just thank you for who you are for your grace in our lives, in our relationships, in our world. Help us to see it more, to walk in it more. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you all. Y'all can have a seat. If you would, uh, take your, your Bible and turn uh, in the Old Testament uh, to Exodus chapter 20. Uh, but before we get into that, you know, one of the... Uh, one of the worst feelings uh, that, that I've had uh, in life, and maybe you too, uh, is when I realize uh, that somebody is manipulating me. Can I get an amen on that? You may agree? Uh, or let me put it in, uh, in, in common terms. When I realize I'm getting played. Getting played. Uh, now you would say, who would manipulate a pastor? Uh, well, just um, um, no comment. Uh, but I will say this, that uh, over the years, uh, first off, the Lord has given me a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but some more wisdom uh, so that I can tell a little sooner uh, if somebody's trying to play me, okay? But more so than wisdom, He's giving me uh, grace, uh, to see that person uh, as a human being uh, whom God loves and who is broken just as I am. But he also gives me grace in that he's let me see that, you know, I've manipulated too. I've manipulated people too. And if we are honest, uh, we all do uh, in some ways, forms, or fashions. Now, we're going to talk about more about that. You're like, why you, did something happen this week? No, nothing happened this week. Uh, none of y'all have done anything, at least that I know of, but you may be playing me. So, we'll, the Lord will reveal. Now then, uh, but I say all that because we're starting this, uh, this sermon series. It's over the summer, 10 weeks on the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. We're calling it Follow uh, because uh, the commandments are given to us to follow. Uh, to show us how to follow the Lord. Uh, we will skip around the commandments. Uh, we're not doing the first one in order today. Uh, and in addition, a lot of the commandments tie into questions that we have, so that's why we say, please ask anything. Now, as we get going, and I'm going to focus on Exodus 27 today, before reading that, I want to give uh, a, little, a little, little preface about commandments, because I don't know about you, but that immediately, you know, says to me, here's what you should do, uh, here's a, a rule, and one of the great things that I've always loved about Christianity is, you know, it's not about the rule, 
uh, and yet God gives these commandments to follow. Uh, now, first thing I would say, what are they? It's about a relationship, not a, not a rule. And if you look at these as rules, uh, they will crush you. If you see it as a rule, it's, it's going to crush you. Uh, the commandments are given in how we should live this relationship out with our Lord, how we should follow for our benefit and our blessing and His blessing. It's important you see that. But they're also given for, for other reasons uh, as well. Uh, the law, which this is part of the law, Ten Commandments, shows us our sin. Uh, Romans 7, 7 should be up on the screen. If it had not been for the law, I would not know sin. Uh, so there is a, again, no accidents in Christianity. God gave the law for Christ that we could see uh, our sin. Uh, but also, you've got to have a change uh, in your sight and a change in your heart uh, to see this as a relationship. And Paul wrote about this, 2 Corinthians 3, 15 through 17. Look at this, this is really interesting because often this is, this is back then when Paul was writing the New Testament, but also today. I mean, some folks who aren't Christians, some people who may be Christian, see the Ten Commandments, see the law, and like, you know, oh, it's just a, a rule book or, or something I've, I've got to follow, and it, it constricts me. But if you're truly saved, uh, if your heart is growing by the Spirit, you can see it in a different way. And this is what Paul was talking about. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, the law, reading now, a veil lies over their hearts. So they don't see it as God meant it to be. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. God actually gave us this for our, our freedom to live in freedom, to live a free life, a healthy life. But you've got to kind of understand this deal between grace and law. You're always saved by grace, but then God gives something to do and follow. God rescues first, as we sang about, then He requires. He rescues and requires. For example, Galatians, if you're familiar with, with Galatians... Paul says, you're saved by grace through faith. It's not what you do. And then James, we went through James last fall, says faith without works is dead. Saved by faith, faith without works is dead. It's a little complicated. I believe another verse, the best one that really, in my opinion, uh, that shows this is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Look at this up on the screen again. has both how we believe, what we do. For by grace you've been saved. God rescues. God acts first. Through faith we believe. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God. It's not something we do. It's His gift. Not a result of works. Again, nothing we do so that nobody can boast. Yet we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. God rescues, He requires, saved by grace through faith, that we would want to do these works that we would want to follow. Jesus even said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. Look, real love. The lie of the world, the lie of culture, says true love, real love, just do anything. 
Now, now how does that set in marriage? Huh? I mean, if I asked my, my wife, I said, you know, will you marry me? You know, thankfully she said yes. But then after that, I said, and, you know, after she said yes, I said, okay, could we have an open marriage? Y'all have heard of these? They're actually kind of in vogue and like, you know, high circles these days. An open marriage is you're married, but you can do whatever you want, which means date, see, sleep with whomever you want. I mean, this is a real deal. L.A., an open marriage. Now, if I asked, said that to her, asked that to her, I mean, is that, is that real love? I don't see it as real love. Real love requires obedience. And when there is real love, you'll want to obey. So when your love in a marriage grows, then you want to be more and more committed. And then the love flourishes more and more. Do you get that? Same with a person, same with the Lord. When you really love someone, when he or she is above all else, then you want to obey, you want to be commit, committed, and the commitment grows, and then the love flourishes more and more. Real love, true love, requires commitment, requires obedience, requires following, and the love grows. And that's what we have here in the gospel. So I want to look at the, uh, the Ten Commandments because it shows us God's grace. It doesn't just show us what to do. It shows us His grace. So Exodus 20, and most of us know the Sunday school story, right? Or, or maybe you watch the, um, the Charlton Heston version, uh, or the, the really bad, uh, and I'm a Christian Bale fan, Christian Bale uh, version, but, which I heard was horrible. But so we kind of know the story, right? God, He rescues. He rescues His people from the most powerful, uh, powerful army, power, in the land at that time, in the world, the Egyptians. God rescues. He comes down, parts the Red Sea, crushes the Egyptians, rescues his people. And then he begins to lay out these commands, the Ten Commandments. So I'm going to focus today on Exodus 20, verse 7. Okay? It says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless, who takes his name in vain. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. Uh, first off, real quick, just, you know, what is in a name? There's a lot in a name. Uh, think about how we use names and drop names. Uh, give you an example. When I have car problems, I'll call down to Smith Brothers. Chuck Smith, he didn't know he was getting a promo today. Chuck Smith, love him, brother Chuck. Now, sometimes they're a little slow, and I'll just say, hey, I know Chuck. They're like, okay, we got to, we'll get that going. Uh, now, I don't know if y'all are going to call and say, hey, I know Chuck. But Chuck Smith, great guy. And I'll drop that name uh, to hopefully expedite and get my car fixed. Simple, simple example. We all drop names uh, at a party, at a dinner. You want to make a connection. We say, oh, I know, you know, this person, that person. Uh, often, you know, and look. I'll admit to this, often we'll drop a name, and this is kind of beginning to tie to this manipulating deal, we'll drop a name for our name. I mean, we'll drop the name to say, hey, I know this person, uh, for, for our name, 
for our little K kingdom, to build our deal. We do that. There's a lot in a name. Now, it is very easy, and I learn a lot. I love, one of the reasons I love preaching is because I learned so much. I, I didn't know some of the things that I'm going to share in, in learning about this commandment today. Because I always thought, probably like you did, this commandment, it, is, it basically means don't throw GD, you know? Uh, don't say JC, you know? Don't use the Lord's name. Don't swear. Don't drop the F-bomb, you know? Okay? Get an amen? Anybody agree? That's what I always thought. Okay, I mean, I said F-bomb. It's okay. Don't drop GD. Don't drop... I mean, that's what I thought. And as I've studied, uh, it's a lot more. It is much more. It's bigger uh, than we, than I imagined uh, or fathomed. Uh, It's a lot more than just don't swear. See, uh, if you took Exodus uh, separately, you're really not doing it justice. Really, the first five books of the Bible are called the law, and they need to be taken together as one whole, okay? Exodus is more direct. Uh, The Lord is more direct. Maybe why we like Exodus more, at least I like Exodus more. You get into Leviticus and Deuteronomy, they're a lot more specific. Uh, As the Lord gives the law here in Exodus, he gets more specific in what is called case laws in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. It's why you don't see many sermon series on Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Not saying I'll never go there, but, but I mean, haven't been led yet, okay? <laughs> on case laws. Palmer's already stretching there. Case laws. Just wake up, Palmer. Stay with me, bro. There you go. Now, pick on Palmer. I don't see him all the time. I love you, Palmer. You know that. Now then, there are some case laws that refer to this law in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. There are three of them. Sorcery, False prophecy and false oaths. We're going to deal with all of them. We'll start with sorcery. Now, I know a lot of y'all struggle with sorcery, right? I mean, you're, you, some of you are in the back, man, you know, read Harry Potter, and now still, you know, I got my wand in my closet, and just, you know, struggling with sorcery. We did preach, teach on spiritual warfare last week. Uh, there's some real stuff in there. And, you know, the other thing, if you're at lunch today, and someone asks, well, you know, what was the sermon on? I mean, you can if you want to. I'm just preparing you. You know, if you say, well, it's about sorcery, uh, they might say, I knew it. Bellwether's a cult. Uh, we've, been, we've been called that before. So just warning you, fair warning, if that's where you go. But it is about sorcery, or part of it at least. Now, see, in Egypt, the Egyptians would talk to their gods, and they believed they could use the name of a god and get what they wanted from the God. So they believed that by saying the God's name, that they would get what they, what they wanted, that they could manipulate God. And so what this command is saying first is don't manipulate God. Don't take the name, the name of the Lord in vain. Don't treat, let me simplify it, don't treat God like a vending machine. You know, put your request in, you know, hoping you get it. Truth be told, I've done this, I do this, and when the Spirit reveals this to you, you see uh, your sin and how we take the Lord's name in vain, how we treat God. You're like, what do you mean? How, How do I do that? Often, we are like Simon in Acts 8. 
I'm not going to read to you Acts 8, but Simon was a magician. He saw the miracles. He saw the power. He's like, I want that. I want that. And he thought he had it. And then the disciples were pretty hard on him. But he wanted God's power and not God. He wanted God's stuff and not God. And, and that's how we can be. We want his stuff. We don't want God. We don't want a relationship. We want what we want. And so we'll say to God what we think we should say to get what we want. Let me just give you an example. I don't know how you do this, but let me just give you an example in my life. How my prayer life is changing. More so than, than most times. I would often, in the past... You know, know what to say. I mean, a lot of us raised in Sunday school be like, you know, dear God, Heavenly Father, you know, uh, thank you. Um, appreciate all you're doing. Uh, I love you, God. Uh, thank you for forgiving me. I, I know that. And, and oh, by the way, you know, I, I need this job. Uh, or, uh, you know, I'd love to have a scholarship. Uh, or, you know, I, I need this promotion. Uh, or, you know, please let her say yes. Or, or please, you know, God, let this door open. You know, whatever it is, and, and we'll treat God, again, like, like a vending machine. Uh, now, uh, my prayer life is changing, and I would really encourage all of you to think honestly like this, is that when I pray, uh, I imagine myself before the creator of the universe, the sustainer of the universe. Sustain means holds it up. The redeemer of our lives, that he redeems us, he saves us from hell, from death. And so, I'm imagine if I'm, if I'm standing before him, it, it kind of changes how I talk, what I say. You know, this is just me, I just think in my mind, my eyes are closed, and I just like, I'm, and I, I don't know what he looks like, I'm just, I'm, I'm there, he's there, because he is. It's changing the way I, I communicate with the Lord. I mean, I start with, man, you're, you're awesome. Like, you're, you're not worthy for real. Um, it, it humbles me. And I also then think, you can do anything. So, so what are my little requests? You can do this. Therefore, you have redeemed me. So I, I trust it's for my good. I, I trust you. I trust you, Lord. I, I know you can do what you want. And, and I'm just saying, here's, here's someone, I just bring healing into their life. I mean, it, it totally changes I mean, every aspect of my prayer life. And I believe that when you look at the Lord like that, when you trust the Lord, you honor Him. You're not taking His name in vain. And that's what we're called to do, especially in hard times. Uh, the last two, I said sorcery, false prophecy, and false oaths. We do this too. This happens all the time. This is why I opened the sermon as I did, talking about manipulating people. Because this is when false prophecy, false oaths, a person uses the language of God to manipulate people. Happens all the time. Particularly in our town, particularly in our culture. You know, buckle the Bible belt. All that. You're like, well, how does this happen? It happened in many ways. It could be where 
have just a guy or a gal wants to appear like great Christian person, uh, and they really, you know, want you to simply just like them uh, or esteem them or do business with them or just build this connection, and they'll use the God language uh, to manipulate others. You're like, I mean, manipulate again. It's a person wanting to use God for their own ends, for their own means. And so they'll use the language, again, to get them to like you, respect you, esteem you. It happens all the time. And I think we have to check ourselves. And be honest, check ourselves if we're doing this. And you're like, well, how would I know if someone is like using God language to manipulate me? Here's an easy way. Do you ever see any like confession and repentance in their life? Seriously, do you, you know, your Christian friends, do they ever like confess their struggles? Do they ever repent? Um, are, they, are they pointing you to, to God in their openness with their struggles, in how the Lord has or is healing them? Are they really just trying to point you to them? It's a real deal. It takes discernment. But again, this, this verse, this command is a lot more to us than just don't swear. Now, I've, I've done that. Look, it's easy to do this. Pastors, uh, worship leaders, church staff, Churches do this all the time. We're guilty of it. And that we all want to be liked. We all want to be esteemed. We want to, be, we want to grow our churches. So we'll try to appear holy or use things. So we'll just use being a pastor or being on church staff or, or just being good Christian leader to get you to like us, to get you to come. Use tricks and gimmicks too. I didn't think I was going to do this, but I am. Oh, nearly fell. So, stand on top of this chair. You might remember this. You may not like it. It's like, I just remember he stood on the chair this sermon. You might remember this more than the gospel. And so, this is me, you know, this trying to show you some things. As pastor, and not that I'm going to do this all the time, it's like, well, he did that. You know, and he came down and on the chair. So that, that can I remember that, that connected. We can use our titles, use our position, use the time of the service to just get you to like us. This is the truth. It's a big commandment, so I'm starting with this one. Now, that was all the things that we can be guilty of. Here's the answer. Here's the hope. For me, for you, for all of us, there is hope. There is the answer, Jesus Christ. Here's the gospel. When we can't obey, the good news is God sent a substitute to be our obedience, Jesus Christ. God gives a spirit to grow in us a heart for obedience. That is the gospel. That is the answer. That is the good. Let me say this again, okay? Because I don't want you, it, it's easy. You remember the chair, 
more than this. This is like, what did you say again? God, God sent a substitute to be our obedience. Because we can't obey by our nature. God gives a spirit to grow in us a heart of obedience. As the gospel, that's good news. That is why we can trust in the Lord. When we do trust in the Lord, we honor his name, especially in hard times. And we can see there was one who trusted completely, fully, totally, Jesus Christ. Remember the garden. Think back to Easter, the garden of Gethsemane. We know the Sunday school story. Jesus Christ, Scripture even says it, could have manipulated God. He's the only one who could. He is the only one who could. Scripture says he could have called down angels in the garden. He could have, he, he could have checked out. He did not. He said, Lord, if there be any other way. But then he said, not my will, your will. Then on the cross, again, could have manipulated God. Could have taken care of things. Could have been caught up. Allowed himself to be forsaken. So that you and me will never be forsaken. You need to know this. And like, I, I got no, a lot of you don't. That's why we struggle. It's why we struggle in marriages, why we struggle in life. We feel forsaken. That's not the gospel. It's not the good news. The great exchange, that's what often the gospel is called, the great exchange. One trusted who could manipulate so that those who do manipulate can always trust. Let me say this again. One, Jesus Christ trusted God while he could manipulate God so that all those who do manipulate him, and look, I'm not even saying you, me, all those who do can trust in the Lord. I don't know where you are in your struggle, in your walk, in how we do our song and dance to get people to like us or do business or get things from God. We can trust in the Lord. Let me show you what we have. Hebrews 4, this verse up here, verse 15 and 16, tells us, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Every respect, every respect has been tempted, yet without sin. Let us then... It goes on, let us, right now, to remove it into communion. With confidence, draw near to the throne of grace to receive and find mercy and grace in time of need. It's good news. God sent His Son to be our obedience. God sends His Spirit to grow us a heart of obedience. So I just want to close with some questions and you know, I'm asking myself these questions. I'm repenting. And I'm believing that I can trust in the Lord. And I'm believing that I'm not forsaken. And I'm believing that we have a real Savior. And there is a real Spirit working in me, in you, in us. To grow a different heart. A heart that is content. Because the Lord is with us. So, so the questions would be, how are you manipulating God? How are you manipulating God? 
rephrase that? Where do you doubt God? Just where do you doubt God? Is it in your marriage? Is it in your job? Is it a business deal? Is it a career? Is it friendship? How do you doubt God? And that is where he slowly becomes a vending machine. Second question. How are you manipulating others? As in people. Who are you manipulating? Take some real honesty. And the answer is to confess and trust. See, we don't have to manipulate God. He knows all our needs. We can trust Him. We do not have to manipulate other people. Again, He knows all our needs. We can serve people. If you believe that. That's the gospel. That is what's preached here. That is the answer. That is the answer to the the basic, the small or large struggles. That God sent Jesus. God gives His Spirit. We can trust in Him. That's how we honor His name. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, thank You for showing us our need for You. uh, And what we may do to to get uh, attention uh, or relationships or, or just the things that we are, are desperate. And you may say no, but your no is always an open door and it's always for our best. I pray that the people here, the people of this church would trust in you for their lives and they would see their lives as... as as caught up in this great story that you have, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, created us for great works designed before we were conceived for us to walk in. You have that for us. That is biblical. That is scriptural. That is truth. Let us trust in you. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son. We honor him now in Jesus' name. Amen.